My local GP is astonished at how many British people are on these types of meds. You see, different cultures see things differently. Something to think about, perhaps. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Overcoming Anxiety with Dawn Morgan. I hope you're all having a fabulous day. We don't know what we don't know. Knowledge and education is a wonderful thing. However, thinking we know all that we need to know is not so wonderful. Keeping an open mind, a truly open mind, to new ideas and developments within a subject area is necessary if we want to learn more. So let me tell you a story. In the mid-1800s, many women would attend a hospital to give birth to their children. Many, however, would contract what was known at the time as childbed fever or puerperal fever. I think I've said that right, but we'll call it childbed fever because I can get my tongue around that a little bit easier. And they became gravely ill and most of those who contracted it would die. There were several reasons given for the contraction of this childbed fever at the time based on what ideas and beliefs the medical professionals of that era understood. So they thought that maybe it was something to do with um, the time during the pregnancy, the mother didn't look after herself or or perhaps they, she didn't have the right nutritional food after the delivery or that there was some bad air or not enough fresh air or there were drafts in the clinics. So whether it was not enough air or too much air or drafts or, or maybe even evil spirits were believed to be at fault. Or the mother was an imbecile or or weak and feeble. All of these things are completely outrageous ideas in today's world. It became commonplace at that time to perform post-mortems or autopsies on bodies so that the doctors could learn all they could to understand the human body. They wanted to sort of get in there and have a good look around. And during this time, a Dr. Semmelweis a Hungarian doctor started collecting data as he wanted to understand why so many women were dying from this childbed fever. He studied two maternity clinics in the hospital and noticed a difference in death rates in the General Hospital of Vienna where he worked between the midwife-led clinics and the doctor-led clinics. The death rates were nearly five times higher in the doctor-led clinics. He analysed the differences between the two clinics and found some you know, big differences. The woman gave birth on their sides in the midwife clinic and on their back in the doctor's clinic. So he changed how the women gave birth in the doctor's clinic and they had to give birth on their side. After a while, he monitored it and nothing changed. Then Semmelweis noticed that when Ever someone in the clinic died of childbed fever, a priest would walk slowly through the doctor's clinic, past the women's beds, with an attendant ringing a bell. This time, Samuelweis theorised that the priest and the bell ringing so terrified the women after birth that they developed a fever, got sick and died. We can laugh at this now, but they really did believe that stuff back then. So Semmelweis had the priest change his route and ditch the bell. Unsurprisingly, it had no effect on the death rates. By now, Semmelweis was frustrated. So he went on holiday and travelled to Venice and he hoped the break and a good dose of art would clear his head. But when he returned, some sad but important news was waiting for him. 
one of his colleagues, a pathologist, had fallen ill and died. Now, it wasn't unusual for pathologists to die, and there was nothing really new about the way he died. He pricked his finger while doing an autopsy on someone who had died from childbed fever. He then got very sick and died. Semmelweis studied the pathologist's symptoms and realised the pathologist died from the same thing as the women he had autopsied. This was a revelation. Childbirth fever wasn't something only women in childbirth got sick from. It was something other people in the hospital could get sick from as well. So he'd started to make some sort of correlation. But it still didn't really answer his original question. Why were more women dying from childbirth fever, childbed fever in the doctor's clinic than in the midwife's clinic? But the death of the pathologist did offer him a clue. The big difference between the two clinics is that the doctors were doing autopsies and the midwives weren't. So he hypothesised that there were cadaverous particles, little pieces of corpse that these doctors were getting on their hands from the cadavers they dissected. And when they delivered the babies, these particles would get inside the women who would develop the disease and die. So if his idea was correct, getting rid of those cadaverous particles should cut down on the death rate from childbed fever. Now, if you're anything like me, listening to the story in modern times and thinking about little particles of dead people being transmitted across is is sort of making you squirm. It certainly did me. Because it's just so weird for us in, in today's society. But anyway, so he ordered his medical staff to start cleaning the hands and the instruments, not just with soap, but with chlorine. Now, chlorine, as we know today, is about the best disinfectant there is. But Semmelweis didn't know anything about germs. He chose the chlorine from a really bizarre reason. He thought it would be the best way to get rid of any smell left behind by those little bits of corpse. It's crazy, really, isn't it? And when he, but when he imposed this, the rate of childbed fever really fell. It was dramatic change. But so what Semmelweis had discovered is something that still hold, holds true for us today. Hand washing is one of the most important tools in public health. It can keep kids from getting the flu or prevent the spread of disease and keep infections at bay. You'd think everyone would have been thrilled, but you know, because Semmelweis had solved this problem, but they weren't thrilled. For one thing, doctors were upset because Semmelweis's hypothesis made it look like they were the ones giving childbed fever to the women and their egos kicked in. And it didn't really help that Semmelweis was not very tactful. He publicly berated people who disagreed with him and made some influential enemies. Eventually, the doctors gave up the chlorine hand washing and Semmelweis, well, he lost his job. Semmelweis kept trying to convince doctors in other parts of Europe to wash with chlorine, but no one would listen to him. Even today, convincing healthcare providers to take hand washing seriously is, is a real challenge. Hundreds of thousands of hospital patients get infections each year, infections that can be deadly and hard to treat. We only need to think about things like norovirus and, of course, the C word in the last couple of years. Over the years, Semmelweis got angrier and eventually 
quite bizarre and strange. And you can really understand his frustration. He knew he had the answer to prevent deaths, but no one would listen. There's been speculation he developed a mental condition brought on by possibly syphilis or even Alzheimer's. And in 1865, when he was only 47 years old, Semmelweis was committed to a mental asylum. The sad end to the story is that Semmelweis was probably beaten in the asylum and eventually died of sepsis, which ironically is pretty much the same disease that he was fighting so hard to prevent in those women who died from childbed fever. It took decades for hand washing to become standard and even now this is one of the challenges in modern day hospitals. What about another example? People once believed that the earth was flat. No one wandered too far and sailors had enormous anchors so that they wouldn't fall off the edge of the earth into the underworld or all the, the beasts and inhuman beings were. You know, it's crazy some of the stories that you, you can read. Or what about when we believed that the earth was the centre of the universe? After all, the sun clearly rose in the east and set in the west and moved around our planet, whether it was flat or round. But Copernicus proposed that the Earth and other planets orbited the Sun. They go, you know, rather than everyone going around the Earth and the, the, the Sun going around the Earth, it was the Earth going around the Sun as well as all the other planets. But that theory didn't sink in or be believed for several generations. And then what about Galileo? He used a telescope to show there were craters on the moon, heaven forbid, and other moons circling Jupiter out of this world. Galileo agreed with Copernicus and he was actually found guilty of heresy because he was in defiance of the Catholic Church as scripture said that the sun revolved around the earth. These people dared to challenge ideas that were ingrained in the society and the scholars of the time. With technological advances, we can now see quite clearly that the earth is round because we are able to take photos of the earth from space and we understand orbit and gravity in a way that we didn't back then, including how all of the planets in our solar system orbit the sun. We continue to explore outer space and can see and travel much further into the distance. We learn things each and every day, sometimes challenging what we already think we know. Also, with medical knowledge and understanding, we now understand how infections can be transmitted or we thought we did until recent events. There's been a whole lot of learning in the last couple of years. We now know the value of cleaning our hands to a more serious extent than we did before, perhaps. What I want to ask you, though, how open are you to new ideas? Many of us dismiss ideas as propaganda or misinformation or just plain wrong. We close our ears, refuse to discuss or debate or even hear when new ideas don't sell with, don't sit well with what we already know or think we know. But what if? What if that information was from another Semmelweis or Copernicus or Galileo or any number of people throughout history that we have ridiculed or rejected as a crank or, using more modern terminology, cancelled? It's these very people, the trailblazers, that take us to places that we haven't been before. Yes, of course, not everything works out. Not everything is proven. Not everything explored is useful. But some of it might be. 
Hypnotherapy is one of these things. When I talk to my clients, their concern is always about me making them cluck like a chicken or do something, some other undesirable action, like completely take control of them. They believe horror stories. My friend heard from Mrs. Johnson that her niece's neighbour's son had a terrible time with hypnotherapy, so they dismiss it as some weird, dangerous idea. Let me ask you this. How many medical negligence claims are there in the newspapers? How many people have had bad experiences in hospital or have come across a GP they don't like? I know I have. Do I stop going to a GP or hospital when I need some help? Of course not. I may avoid the GP I don't like or choose a different consultant, but I don't dismiss the whole medical profession because of a bad experience or a string of news stories, especially if those stories have come through a grapevine. Many in the medical profession still believe that conditions like the various forms of severe anxiety are here to stay. They believe and communicate widely that medication and coping mechanisms are the only answer. I don't agree. I once had a conversation with a friend who had been on antidepressant medication for years. She was in and out of depression and anxiety and I asked her how she was doing. She explained that she was still depressed and although could function, she really didn't enjoy life. The medication wasn't doing what it said on the tin. It wasn't an antidepressant. She was still depressed after all these years. But she didn't challenge it because her GP had told her that she needed them for life and she believed him. Now, I've taken antidepressants and they do initially give you a boost. That's undeniable. But our bodies are actually very good at adapting so they lose their effect fairly quickly. You may ask why so many doctors give them out in copious amounts if they're not that effective. Well, what what is quite amusing or or interesting is the doctors here in Spain don't understand that. My, My local GP is astonished at how many British people are on these types of meds. You see, different cultures see things differently. Something to think about, perhaps. Many of my clients, when they reach out with their issue, initially tell me that they have tried everything, absolutely everything, to get rid of what it is that bothers them. But they haven't, have they? They haven't tried me. (laughs) Seriously, though, I would urge you to give one of the many alternative therapies a try. For those of you who would like to try hypnotherapy, I'm offering Hypnotherapy Taster, a half hour of experiencing what hypnotherapy is. It will definitely debunk all that nonsense that you may have heard. It will be a pleasant experience. This offer won't be here for long. I only have so many slots available. There is a charge for it and this charge is refundable against any product or course purchased from me in the six months following the taster session. It doesn't matter where you are in the world because I can do this over Zoom. Just click the link in my show notes to book a taster session with me. Now, I think I'm a bit of a rebel at heart. I love to learn new things. I love to play devil's advocate. Just ask my children. But what it has provided me with is an open mind. I know that there is far more that I don't know than I do. I love a good debate. I love to be proved wrong. I love an opposing viewpoint debated with an air of curiosity and inquiry. It's not about who's right. It's about exploring a topic. And what I might think about something today, I may see completely differently tomorrow with a new insight or new information. So what about you? Are you open to new ideas, trying new things? 
For people suffering in some way, the little chink of hope that things could be different, be better, is the start of something wonderful because little things grow when we focus on them. So are you ready to try something new, different? Hold on to the hope that life can be better. If so, book in for your hypnotherapy taster session and see that hope, that little chink of hope, open up to something exciting. Thanks for listening. Please follow or subscribe to get the latest episodes as soon as they're available. While you are there, also comment and review as it helps me and other listeners know what is good and what isn't. And I love to hear what you think, even if you don't agree with me. If you'd like to get in touch, uh, just feel free to reach out to me via the contact details in my show notes. And I'll see you next time.